This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Here's Adoma. Abraham pointing the way in the middle. El Mohamedi's on hand here. Well, the battle off, and in! El Ghazi arrives! Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. Joining me for an episode uh, where we look forward to the summer after our big bumper Bonanza post-Wembley show. On that show, we were missing uh, a certain element, and that element was Mr. Max Stokes from Villa on Tour. Welcome back. Thank you very much. And omnipresent Mr. Chris Budd. Welcome back, Chris. And please be a bit more enthusiastic this time when, when you're introduced. Welcome. Hello. That's Hello. Better. Max, how's your hangover from Wembley? Just about recovered. 104 beers. Oh, my God. In the space of like two hours. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. And missed, the, and missed the first goal. Yeah. Well done. That was going to be my first question, because I saw that you missed some of the first half. Just just how much did you miss? And you obviously um, missed the first goal. I did. I think it was around the half an hour mark, I decided to wander off to the toilets. And I didn't return until the start of the second half. So I missed the El Ghazi goal. But I remember exactly what I was doing when El Ghazi headed that in. I remember the roar, and that will never leave me. That haunts me to this day. Did you did you do a Polish goodbye? Do you know what a Polish goodbye is? No. Actually, a German taught me this, and I, I hope it's not... Well, I, I think it probably is related to uh, Auschwitz, etc. But it's basically when you when you leave without saying goodbye. Uh, yeah, I did do that, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a Polish <laughs> goodbye. <warms> <laughs> I, I do. I used to do that at parties when you just can't be asked to go round either, you know, somebody's house or the club saying goodbye to everybody. You just, you just disappear. Yeah, that's exactly. I used to do that at the villa all the time. But also, it's when you're in the shit and you're about to explode and you need to get to safety or to <laughs> a toilet at least. Uh, that's an, another good use of the Polish goodbye. Yeah. If anything, I'd imagine Max's head was probably in a similar position to Elgar's. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh Christ! Oh John McGinn when he bounced off the turf, face butted the turf. Exactly. That's more yeah. accurate. <laughs> face plant. Were they concerned, uh, Villa fans? You just disappeared. That wasn't my biggest concern when I was in the toilet. <laughs> but I remember, I remember coming out. It was half time. All my mates were in the concourse. Like, oh, you're right. Where have you been? Where have you been? It's one 0 I was like, oh, yeah, I know. I heard it, but. Yeah, I was fine after half time. Thank God. I think the moral of the story is if uh, I saw you work before the game, we, yeah, we I, met was fine the first then. Time. I was fine then. Yeah, no, you, yeah, picture of health. <laughs> but I think the moral of the story is that you were wearing a 1981 Villa retro shirt. I think the moral of the story is if you're going to wear a retro 1981 home shirt, always bring the away shirt as well, just in case you need <laughs> to change into something else after exploding. <laughs> That was probably a good decision. If you know uh, yes. what I mean. Yes. Yeah. The big question is, though, was it worth it? Oh, 100%. Yes, it was. Well, there you go, then. It's a <laughs> win for everyone. Yeah. 
So you finally saw Villa score at Wembley. You finally saw them win at Wembley. It's got, got to be up there as one of the uh, the top Villa moments in recent years, for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, the, the scenes after the game, I've never, ever experienced anything like it. It was just pure carnage, I think. It was it was just incredible. Like, there was just people everywhere. There was people crying. There was people hugging people they didn't know. It was just it was just incredible. It was a pleasure to be a part of. And oh, I, I just loved it, loved it. Yeah, for me, it was like all positive vibes and, and a good night out as well. I don't know how long you managed to stay around no, after the game. I just sat by the coaches. Fun. Crying, crying into your uh, 105th beer. <sighs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> There's been quite a lot of people asking uh, about how your geography exam went. Uh, obviously, ah. your, last, your last appearance on the show, uh, we were giving, because we were cutting into your revision time, we decided to make uh, to include revision time in the actual podcast. So uh, a few people are wondering what happened uh, when you were confronted uh, on exam day by physical geography. Yeah, unfortunately, permafrost or anything we mentioned didn't come up in the exam. But um, Damn! No, ox, I know, ox, yeah. Oxbow Lakes and the, and the like. Nah, none of that came up. So unfortunately, our revision on the show went to waste. But no, the, the exam overall was fine. I had my human one as well yesterday. So I'm, mm. I'm done now forever with geography. Never have to do any of it ever again. So yeah, that's it. Other than planning away days. Max, <laughs> life is a long winding road. So some of that, those snippets of information that we discussed on the show may come in useful along the way of your the rest of your life. Well, yeah, if this if this European tour on about goes to Norway or whatever, I can educate oh. all the video on tour viewers <laughs> about permafrost or whatever in summer. Exactly. How was your oh, business? Oh, how was your business exams this week? Yeah, that was good. I think it would make me a better business owner than Doctor Tony. Oh. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm I'm fine overall, but yeah, all good. Uh, did corporate aims come up? Like business objectives? Not. Do you no. know what SMART stands for? We did actually learn about that. Hey. Um, oh, here we go. I've done with business as well. I never need to know business again. But but what SMART stand for? This is this is basically the fundamentals of corporate aims and objectives in like intentions of business what do they do, have to be come on some of the letters uh What's time oh, i can't remember s t, t is time to do with time yes specific measurable yes. achievable yep. no no what do you mean what yeah. no what a is, a is <laughs> achievable achievable well i've, I've got it down here as agreed s, um, mm, it varies though some of them are achievable right is it, r is, is it realistic yeah Yes, yep, yep, very good. And then T is timed, as you said. Very yes. good. Very Smashed good. It. So uh, more relevant than fucking geography, uh, apparently, this, this <laughs> <Yes>. podcast. <laughs> Coming up in the show, we will talk about, we'll concentrate on the summer rebuild, which is obviously the obvious place. We discussed it a little bit in uh, episode 76. We'll uh, see what Max and Chris have got to say about it in a bit more detail. We'll also have three points that actually relate to Aston Villa rather than the world at large. Uh, we'll discuss the wonderful ground share between Coventry and Birmingham City. Also, uh, we'll, we'll bring Media Muppets into an audio version and uh, see what's doing the rounds in clickbait and then get into the summer rebuild in terms of the players going out that we all know about and uh, the ones coming in. We won't go into hypotheticals so much. We'll just kind of discuss what we know at this point in time. Uh, right, let's move on to uh, life after Wembley. And uh, we normally do three points on general uh, football themes, but uh, there's been a few things uh, out of uh, B6, so uh, let's let's discuss them. Number one, suddenly uh, in the club shop has appeared home shirts and away shirts that you couldn't get in your size uh, in the last few weeks. I've seen Villa fans uh, complaining in the run-up to Wembley that you could only get like an extra, extra large or something in the home shirt, and that was it. But now there's uh, a load of shirts in the club shop with playoff winners in gold with 19 on the back. Uh, Max, what do you think about this? Uh, okay. As, as some of you may remember, there was a, a video released by Villa of an interview with Perslow and Smith, and they said that we're Aston Villa, we don't do parades or anything like that. And they they said they only were going to do it if we won, you know, leagues or cups, whatever. But yeah. then so this picture got 
leaked on Twitter. Someone went into the club shop and it's absolutely horrendous. Like I'm, I'm a tight geezer myself. Like I don't like spending money. So I normally, yeah. I normally buy my shirts like towards the end of the season. And you know, these are like the nicest shirts we've had in a long time. So I was like, okay. A man after my own heart, the, the five pound, <laughs> the 10 to five pound jobbies. That's my limit. Yeah. And I was I like, okay, I don't even bother buying them. I, these are like the nicest shirts we've had in a long time. And they're the shirt we got promoted in, obviously. So I, I couldn't buy one. There hasn't been a medium on the club website for months now. It's a shambles, really. And then they're yeah. selling these with gold font on it. It's, it's, it's extremely tin pot, in my opinion. I'm not a fan at all. Yeah, but there's a, there's a disparity between what Villa should be doing and, and what Perslow and Smith said, I think, was, was bang on the money and, and mirrored my own views. And there's yeah. a big disparity between that and what the marketing department do because obviously they're, they're after sales at the end of the day and maximizing revenue in any any way possible and obviously success opens up the, the gates but i think this is a bit kind of uh unnecessary really it's just over the top i mean i've i've got a shirt from the 93 94 you know, the, the united win with the it's the cup final shirt but with coca-cola cup winners above the badge and it's small you know like the, the, the official yeah, match yeah. shirts that they had yeah it's like that that would have been fine yeah and you could have literally just had you know 2019 AFL playoff winners. Fine, and some people might go, "Oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll have one of those." But don't do yeah, it. Yeah, because it's like a nice momentum. You can't wear that. Can't, yeah, you can't wear that. You're not going to walk through town with playoff winners 19 on your back, looking like a twat, are you? <laughs> and as soon as next season kicks off, it's it's out of date anyway. But you'd have got away with, with exactly the one you, you explained, just so you know, subtly over the badge. Yeah. yeah, no style anymore. Uh, another thing that's happened in the Villaverse uh, number two. Uh, was the sponsorship deal was announced and they could have just given us Wolves kit from last season to play in as the away kit. That would have saved a lot of money because it's the same sponsor of Wolves, W88. I think that's how you say it. There's no other way of saying it, is there? Wait, wait, eight. <laughs> wait, eight, <laughs> eight. Or... Perslow, uh, talking to Perslow uh, in the fan consultation group meeting, the first one we had, we have another one uh, this coming week. He is not a big fan of uh, betting sponsorship as a lot of uh, supporters are you know across all all clubs it's kind of a necessary evil and it's like a step uh, a way of getting into uh, overseas markets i mean in this case asia where obviously you get a big lump of cash and they'll help you uh, pump out the club's name and also these are the only people kind of putting up the money and uh, i don't know what per- i can't remember what percentage it is but it's it's quite a big percentage in the premier league of the 20 clubs there's probably about 70% with betting company uh but it's weird having that because that wolf that w88 kind of worked for wolves because you've got kind of got a big w on the front obviously wolverhampton wanderers and uh it's a huge sponsor isn't it it's like fills the kit yeah and it's yeah a bit of a nasty one uh also it's a bit strange that uh wolves still had the deal with uh w88 continuing but they cut it short to uh take a new deal with man bet x and I think that's worth about 10 million per season, which uh, I think Villas is around that amount because, uh, you know, Villa obviously uh, spanned this as saying it's a record breaking deal. And uh, I think the previous record Villa had was with Genting for 8 million. So obviously it's north of 8 million a year. So Wolves about 10, I, I would say it's around the 10 mark. But it's interesting, did WA8 jump ship? because they thought Villa's better for exposure. I mean, why would you break a contract? Or did Wolves, obviously uh, qualifying for the Europa League, did they suddenly uh, see a more lucrative deal with Mamba X and arrange to cut this deal short? It's it's interesting how it's kind of played out and which went, you know, did, are we getting a cast off or did we lure a sponsor away from Wolves? Who knows? Mamba X actually, uh, I think yeah, last season was Crystal Palace's sponsor. And I think they paid uh, around six-ish million for that deal. We are, I mean, we're str- we've gone straight back to the Premier League, but we are in... Uh, a lot of the lower clubs, like I don't know, you, your, your Huddersfields and your Brightons, their, their shirt sponsorship deals are between around 1.5 million to about 5 million. And then the next level up is around your 10 million mark. Uh, West Ham Betway is around 10 million. Everton, they had a five season deal, which works out about 9.6 million. So I think we're in the Everton West Ham bracket already. So you get an idea of where Villa are in terms of commercially just by. Uh, the amount they can get for a shirt sponsorship. I mean, to contrast that with the big six, who are obviously uh, playing in Europe regularly. I mean, Spurs is AIA, the insurance company's worth 30, 
five million a year, so it's like three times the amount. Emirates for Arsenal's two hundred million over five seasons, so what's that? Forty, forty mil. Yep. Yokohama tires. Chelsea's around forty mil mark. Liverpool uh, standard charter is a hundred. Uh, it's another forty uh, mil, hundred sixty mil over four seasons. So not only. Uh, Oh, they're getting Champions League's money. They're also getting like three times, four times the amount shirt sponsorship as well. So we're in the second tier in terms of that straight away. Uh, what, what do you think about betting shirts, Max? Um, Are you bothered? I'm, I'm not particularly bothered. It's not ideal, is it really? But they're, they're the Apparently, ones that offer the most money, aren't they? So we've, We can potentially get a sleeve sponsor as well. No, I'm not a fan of that. There was it was Everton last year that had angry Angry Birds on there. Angry Birds, that's yeah, awful. That is, but it's something that most clubs have now. So uh, no doubt they'll be chasing. I think Wolves get sponsorship for their under twenty three team, their disabled team, and their youth team, like different sponsors. So they really, uh, yeah, I'm sure like the women's teams will get sponsors, and you, you you tend to have a different sponsor for your training kit or your warm up shirt. I know Man United had a huge deal, didn't yeah, they? Chevrolet, and then somebody else does the warm up tops that they wear before the game. So it's Villa. It's a same sponsor across the training and uh, first yeah. kit. It shows realistically where we're at. You know, we can't go and get one of these big, you know, your blue chip companies. You look at Emirates, who've got sort of Arsenal, Real Madrid, PSG, AC yeah. Milan, amongst others. You know, that they can go in and get the what you'd call the A list clubs and the your big sort of automotive companies and the finance companies. They want the big boys who are in the Champions League, and then you've kind of got everybody else scratching around for for what's left. So I think it it will probably get interesting if we, if we're still in the league next year. If we remain with this company, or if we, we we try and grow again, yeah, I think. Well, I think we'll need to uh, actually progress a, a little bit more. I mean, for example, look at Wolves because they got into Europe. They suddenly that increases their cachet, so they've obviously uh, yeah opted out of their former deal and, and moved somewhere else. I uh, just kept going back to. Uh, sponsorships on shirts so west ham I, th- I believe offer you can actually buy a shirt without the sponsor on it max would you buy a shirt without the sponsor on it like for example this season is is now finished but you wanted to buy a, a shirt in a medium just to commemorate would you buy the one with three two red or would you buy one without it i'd rather have the one with the sponsor on just because it looks the same as what the players wear but i understand it with like yeah. if, people, if people don't want their children to have it on or whatever i, I completely understand that so i like yeah. what west ham have done yeah. that's a good idea yeah right moving on quickly this is something that's happened uh, i think it happened in february uh, stroke march keith Winers, the ex villa ceo as you will remember wanted to sue Dr. Tony, he apparently went to court. I mean, we'll cut it short here. You can actually find the the, the brief of the what happened in court, uh, actually on the company's house, if you uh, want to search that. But there's point number six on the listing uh, where the court essentially said, I found the, the evidence, this is what Keith Wyness gave to the court, to be vague and inconsistent and noticed that the claimant was confused in answering the questions put to him, at one point saying he relied on advice given to him under legal privilege. He did not clarify what that advice was, nor is he required to. However, on the balance of probabilities, I find that the question of detriment was not anticipated by the claimant in preparing to submit his claim. His inability to give evidence on the point with any clarity at all, illustrates the point. So it seems that he's kind of gone in there a bit wishy-washy on what exactly he's has a grievance with. I mean, we still don't know what he has a, a, a grievance with. I mean, obviously we can guess, but... Uh, Essentially, it's wrongful dismissal, isn't it? But then there's all sorts of yeah. rumours that Dr. Tony was kind of, would have paid him off and he's owed money and he hasn't received it. Well, not that anybody else did either, mind, but... Yeah, like um, severance pays. It just seems yeah. like a bit of a... Sh- it, it's, it's, a it's like a, a background annoyance, isn't it, really, stuff like this now? Because yeah. it's all this sort of tittle-tattle is really part of our past. And when, now all the fans, the club, the current staff, they all just want to move forward now. They're not interested in this sort of nonsense. Well, I mean, this is why it's so far buried under the radar. The broad strokes of the story is uh, Dr. Tony was saying there's this money, there's that money. And so Keith Wyness was operating because he thought that money was there. And then suddenly, uh, I think it was around January, February, uh, I think he's quoted as saying to somebody uh, off the record that, you know, if we don't get up, the shit's going to hit the fan because this is when the the money stopped coming through from China. Yeah, I mean, without going into too much details, uh, essentially, you know, the uh, the purse strings were pulled by the Chinese government in terms of money going out of the country. So that left us in the precarious position, and then obviously, uh, Wyness is there with his pants around his ankles, uh, so to speak. Uh, it sounds like he wanted to um, he wanted to put the club into administration, didn't he? And Tony Shear apparently took yeah, there's know, that huge, as well, yeah. You know, 
But anyway, that's that. uh, that's one crisis. Luckily, we are not a crisis club. We managed to dodge that. But bullet, speaking uh, of crisis clubs, of our friends over in Coventry. Yes. There's no other worse definition of a crisis club than having to share, what's it called now? The trillion million trophy stadium. Bazillion trophy stadium. With the Blues, which uh, while we have commiserations uh, with Coventry in their dire predicament, uh, it's, it's, I mean, obviously from our point of view, it's got even worse for them. So we, we feel very sorry for them. But, uh, you know, speaking before the show, Max actually came up with a with an interesting point. Yeah, it was just going through my, my mind. You know, I'm always thinking about the season ahead. What would happen if we played Coventry away in the FA Cup or League Cup? We'd have to go to the shit on the Villa Arena and have to play <laughs> Coventry at Blues' ground, that would be absolute carnage. But I'd, I'd love that. It'd be a weird occasion. It would be. It would be like a, one, of, one of the WWF wrestling where the death match are all in because you know there's going to be Baggies fans. There's going to be Blues fans there. Coventry are going to have a full house, and they're going to wonder why. Why is so many people travel from Coventry to Birmingham? But most of it's them going to be, be like tag team, isn't it? No, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's a good idea. I think the FA, if they can fix a third round FA Cup tie. At St Andrews, Villa versus Coventry, that would be quite a unique. Uh, you know, it's going to happen, isn't it? Now, now we've said it, it's, it's going to happen. Oh, now we've I mentioned it. it. Now we've put it out into the world. <laughs> the, the, the universe behaves in strange ways. <laughs> Talking about uh, forthcoming fixtures that are actually being uh, nailed down to the mass. It's, it's once upon a time. The whole idea of uh, pre-season friendlies was you got to play teams that you didn't normally play, and uh, there was a bit of novelty. Now we play it's the same old shit. Oh, sorry, apologies to uh, Warsaw Shrewsbury fans, <laughs> and probably even Charlton or Minnes- fans, or Minnesota fans. Well, no, no, Minnesota's another uh, subject, but uh, Warsaw, I suppose it's a, it's a tradition. Shrewsbury, uh, this, you know, that's becoming a tradition as well. I'm hoping uh, there's talk of a European trip, isn't there? which uh, was a bit of a farce last year, let's be honest. Oh, it was woeful, wasn't it, in Dresden? In terms of the organisation... the barrel, that was, wasn't it? Apart from the trophy, which was a beautiful trophy, the... the uh, was it Cup of Traditions? It was, it was Traditions. And it was, wasn't there one at... Um, there was one at Burton, wasn't there, as well? That was like It looked like the Stanley Cup. It was absolutely huge. Yeah, we, we, we were just co- collecting trophies in pre-season. That was just to prepare us for, obviously, what I mean, happened we at Wembley. We started the season as we, uh, as we decided to finish it, didn't we? We've done the double. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so at the moment, there's a trip to Charlton, there's a trip to Shrewsbury, there's a trip to Warsaw, and obviously the Minnesota trip. Uh, last summer, there was meant to be a, an Inter Milan game at Villa Park, but uh, yeah, because Villa, or, or Dr. Tony to be specific, decided we should have another season with a pitch which was already two years over its recommended 10 years, we had to lay a new pitch instead of uh, accepting uh, the approaches of Inter Milan, which would have been a good game. But, well, you know, we, something we like that again. Them, could we either? Probably not. That's a good point. But we used to do, I think when once we establish ourselves in the Premier League again, we'll probably have the, the big Villa Park game before uh, the season kicks off. Will you be at those, Max? Are you going to them? I am trying to get to Charlton and maybe Walsall if I can be bothered, but I think Charlton will be good. And I'm, I'm yeah. planning a, a European tour if we do get there, because I think that that'll be quite fun. Make a good video as well. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. Hopefully it's uh, somewhere warm as well. Although oh, yeah, definitely. Anywhere, anywhere in Europe's normally pretty good, but get a bit of beach time in there as well. Oh, yeah. Nice Malaga away, isn't it? A couple of your lads could do with a suntanner. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest. From now on in, we're going to add another segment to the show, uh, which readers of the website over the years will be familiar with, and that's Medium Muppets. The problem with Medium Muppets was what used to be the odd novelty became a daily occurrence, and you, you just couldn't keep up with it. So what I wanted really to be like a weekly column could have easily been an hourly column, uh, because uh, some of the shit gets of churned just, out. Just got the, the sea of clickbait shite. The swamp, the sea... The cesspool, call it what you want, but it's predominantly news now, that portal. It's, you know, it's pretty much 90% crap. And unfortunately, now back in the Premier League, it'll only get worse. Funny enough, they've, my old man said, was a victim of uh, some clickbaitery. Found this link to the Daily Mail, which shows a picture of uh, WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder. Picture of him, and then next to it is a tweet from my old man says that says quack quack, and, a pit, and an emoji of a duck 
and it's and it says fans accused Deontay Wilder of ducking Anthony Joshua and uh, Tyson Fury, which I found very funny. I mean, it was top trolling by myself because it's a direct tweet to the Bronze Bomber, as Deontay Wilder is known. I don't know if people are familiar with Wilder, but one of the things he did a few years ago, there was this boxing troll who would go around gyms and uh i don't know he was some crazy russian i think and he would say he could beat anybody and he would troll people and he trolled deontay wilder and deontay wilder took him on so there's a clip on youtube of deontay wilder chasing this guy around the ring and you know properly hitting him and this guy uh, keeps saying, oh, yeah, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. Deontay Wilder will punch him, punch him. And then he's, Deontay Wilder's men are, like, holding him off because Deontay Wilder's like, I want to take this fucker out. But, of course, he's being filmed, so we can't really uh, take him out. But thanks, uh, Daily Mail. It's obviously revenge for being in Media Muppets so many times over the years that you, you set up some beef. And uh, I've got a world heavyweight champion coming after me. Although, to be honest, having seen uh, Anthony Joshua's uh, last performance, uh, I might might be able to do better than he can against Wilder. That's open to debate, though. Did you see the fight, the uh, Joshua fight, gentlemen? Nope. No, I wasn't interested in it at all, to be honest. Same. I wasn't interested. No boxing fans on this show, apart nah. from me. I mean, do you know what? I pay, I pay attention when it's the big ones, but it just felt like a bit of a nothing fight. Well, he got, he got his... And, and so it proved. He got his arse handed to him. People are trying to come By up with... Re- Mexican. Yeah, he's brilliant, though. <laughs> People are trying to come it's the up dad with cons- bod, wasn't it? He, like the, Adon- the Adonis got beaten by the dad bod. That is the beauty of it. All those fucking years and months in the gym it just means nothing. You can just roll in there and just get taken out. It's it was hilarious for that point on its own, uh, actually. Anyway, uh, other clickbait. I mean, obviously, there's loads of uh, transfer stuff. Uh, uh, we'll I'll get Chris to. Uh, pull out some examples there quickly but there was another one when when Villa won the playoffs the BBC the BBC that you obviously pay your license fee and you expect them to be a bit above all this clickbait shit came up with the headline John Terry fans left disappointed after Aston Villa playoff win and this came after we knocked West Brom out in the semi-finals so you're going with a clickbait headline fans are disappointed because of John Terry after the so you think oh wow what's he done what's he done so everybody clicks on it and all it is is basically uh some arsehole who's churned it out in two seconds saying Villa fans were dashed because their expectations were wanting to see John Terry going full kit despite not actually playing in the game. And then there's just basically a load of tweets from random people saying, surprise Terry wasn't in full kit. Surprise Terry wasn't in full kit. And you're just thinking, is this this is clickbait. This is what, it's not a news story. It's not even funny. It's an old joke. I mean, you know, the whole full kit John Terry joke, you know, how many years ago did that die a death? And you just expect uh, better quality from the BBC, but alas not. Anything else, uh, Bud, in terms of clickbait? I mean, it's just a massive, you know, we're going to sign some kid called Maxi Gomez from Celta Vigo, who's apparently worth 43 million. Neil Etheridge from Cardiff, amongst others. Daniel Sturridge, I mean... Daniel Sturridge and Ashley Williams are two of the most funny ones. <laughs> what these journalists never do is they never... Well, they don't show any knowledge of the actual manager. I mean, remember... Paul Lambert when he had no money and it was young and hungry and so we knew that we were going to be looking at you know one to three million type you know your Bakunas your Heleniuses and you know they were running out stories about yeah that kind of shite and they were running stories about us chasing 30 million pound players and you just think it's just why waste your time it's bullshit but unfortunately people fall for it and that's you know that's why Dwight Gale I mean come on I don't I don't see it it's when they when you just know it's a stinker right from the off. Yeah, especially when they you know they they t- they're tipped they just tout them around every club. They'll be in the you know they'll be in the London press if they're off to West Ham. It's just gonna, it's just going to be the whole summer of nonsense because we don't have a, a big tournament. Well, as soon as the uh, the transfer window opens, the first story off the uh, the cart horse is uh, Gary Cahill to Villa, and it happened again. It's it's like a draw, I think, that journalists, football writers have. I, I don't want to call them journalists, and uh, you know they just pull out the names that not or, the, or a file on the computer, the names that you can just rehash and cut and paste, just change the. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Before we go on, I just want to say a massive thanks to the real heroes that keep My Old Man Said, the podcast going, and the website, the My Old Man Said patrons. Thank you very much for the new patrons that have signed up since the last show. Shout outs to Serge Taligard, Ricard Sult, Richard Wilson, Paddy Kelly, Richard John, Rupert Pybus, Andy Sudden, Ryan Egger, Paul Stringer, Connor Thomas, James O'Reilly, Tony Parton, Kieran Varley, Chris McCauley, Adam Austin, Joe Meehan, John Gajewski, Dan Collins, and also thanks to Tim Worsley, James Walker, and Matthew Sales for upping their pledges. If you want to also support the show and make sure uh, it cracks on in the Premier League, where there's a lot of shows with uh, a hell of a lot of more patrons than uh, my old man said. So uh, there is a bit of an inequality to uh, do the kind of uh, coverage that they can do with their resources. But uh, we're upgrading all the time with your help. And uh, one of the benefits of becoming a patron is we will also give you bonus shows. So at the moment, we do kind of ad hoc things, but we're sitting down to uh, come up with a format that will actually be a regular featured show and something for you to look forward to. Too. So please do check out myomansaid.com and check out the patrons option for all the details of how to sign up. Thank you very much. Right, so first of all, in the summer rebuild, the obvious one was obviously the players ending contracts that were always going to leave. Your Albert Adomas, your Huttons, your Yedinax, your Whelans. Was there anybody, uh, Max, that you would have considered giving an extension to out of the eight that uh, basically didn't have their contracts renewed? Um, the only one I can realistically think of that had any chance of having a, another year was Glenn Whelan. I think the other seven, or they, they would have expected it if uh, if we yeah. won at Wembley. I think if we didn't win, you know, he might have given one to Elphick. But I think Whelan was the only one. But I'm not really too surprised to see him go as well. Have you seen the Have you seen the clip of Whelan scoring a bicycle kick in training for Ireland? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign him up again. Maybe he'll just just play for Ireland. He won't have a club. He'll just be a free agent playing for Ireland. Saves himself no wet more wear and tear, and he'll play until he's like fifth. Wouldn't surprise me. So you wouldn't have given a uh, an extra year to your favourite Aston Villa player of all time. Who's that? Albert Adoma. Lettuce legs. No, I know. I think, I think to quote, yeah, I, I just, I just don't see the point. No, he's, he's lost that yeah. bit of pace, hasn't he? No, he, he was. He didn't cut it in the championship, so yeah, there was no chance really. He, he did all right in the final. He laid it off for uh, Elmo to uh, oh, cross brilliant. that ball in. Nah, I'm not having it. <laughs> Get rid. Thank, thanks for last season, but. Nah, his time was up. Yeah, nice. he did. That. He did. He did more than Green though uh, at Wembley. Let's let's just throw that he in did, there. To be fair, let's give uh, Uncle Albert. A, we actually uh, look a, more a, defensively strong with the dome on the field. Yeah, so take that, Stokes. Take that, Stokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not a right back, is he? He's meant to be good going forward. <laughs> but he could be. <laughs> you know, a, a good summer preseason under Smith, he could be a good right back. Yeah, sack off El Mahamadi. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! I like that ball down the line. That oh, one God. ball down the line. <laughs> the big story of the outs has to be the the Ross McCormack exit, which uh, I don't know uh, what I thought was going to happen there. What was the most likely scenario was probably just another we pay most of his wages and he goes out on a loan until he you know that final year of his contract goes. I mean that I think that was the uh, from an outside point of view. We, I mean we can't we don't know his fitness and what's happened over the last few weeks or months. I don't think there is any fitness to talk about. Well, this is it, and I think it was basically Villa's point of view was we are going to have to pay him a shitload of money, so we might as to well you know, get the legal team in here and see what we can get away with uh, not paying him. 
So the variation agreement was obviously... Yeah, I was a big fan of the press the, uh, the, the press statement they put out. Aston Villa can confirm Ross McCormack is to leave the club after signing a variation agreement. The club would like to wish Ross well for the future. And they left it at that. <laughs> yeah. See ya. As they say, less is more sometimes. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know the details of the contract and all the money. I mean, that's one of the, although it's, you know, it's not going to, not going to make my life better or anything, but it's just a curious one just to see what you can get away with and what they've actually saved from. I mean, we don't know how it's broken down. We, so get, thought, you know, basically getting a, a, chunk, a chunk up front. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just give him a cash settlement and see you later. I'm sure his agent's pleased. Oh, yeah. Big time. I'm sure he's on holiday as we speak. But, you know, it's one of those things where. We can waste energy. I think, as I said in the last show, we can you know waste energy slagging off players and going fuck you, fuck you, and they've gone. I can't and, be bothered know, now, now. We need to point ourselves bother. forward because uh, there's fresh challenges. Gary Gardner, I thought he actually had anything to do with Villa still, but uh, well, is he a Villa fan or is he a Blues fan? Do we even know? Yeah. Do we care? It's all a bit no, cringe. he reckons he's a Blues fan now. I mean, he was what arguably their best player last season. So some people say. I mean, that's not my he was, opinion. What, our tenth. Tenth choice midfielder, and he played. He played thirty nine games, well forty, including a subs appearance. So he, because he was always injured at Villa, that was uh, what held him back. So at least he's escaped that, and he's uh, a bit more consistent now. But you know, in, in thirty nine games, somebody who's the size he is, and I always, and he always had goals in him when he played for the Villa youth team. I mean, he's, I remember him scoring hat tricks, uh, a hat trick against Ajax in the uh, well, it was, next a, gen. it was a genuine sort of box to box midfielder, wasn't he? Yeah, and in but in those forty appearances for the Blues, he only managed two goals and three assists. So, I don't know what his main attribute now is in in the midfield because I don't think he he didn't have that grit or tenacity. I for, for me, he was a bit too soft. Well, t- not soft, but nice, too nice. I thought. Are you going to miss Gardner, He's... Stokes? No, I'm devastated. I'm not sure how we're going to cope. No, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm glad to see the back of him. I think it's a good move for all parties. Yeah, you know, Jota yeah. coming in included i think it's worked out it's it's a good you know a good result for everyone i think smith gets a smith type player gardner gets the movies you know supposedly always dreamed of <laughs> we get him off the wage bill and he you know yeah. still continues to be a, a professional footballer speaking of uh yotta i mean the good thing about yotta uh straight off the bat is that it's only four letters in the name so it's a cheap one to get if you're looking for a player on the back of your shirt for next season that's the biggest than uh, champions 19 isn't it playoff champions 19 yeah exactly he, he did play a few games because i thought it was a bit part player this season for that was the general consensus uh that he was a bit part yeah. player for for blues because i know he was in and out of the team but he did play 33 games plus seven as a sub and by all accounts well just on the you know the main stats made more of a contribution than gardner he scored three goals one more than gardner and assisted 11 times can't see there being many Blues players that got into double figures for assists. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, you look at his stats when he was at Brentford and they look they look really favourable. You know, he scored, I think it's about 23 goals in about 60 games from midfield. You yeah. Think that's pretty good from the position. I remember when the first time, the first sort of season we played uh, Brentford under Smith, he destroyed us in both games. And you thought, you know, this is a good player. You know, when Blues got him, and I know they, they obviously had their pants pulled down for the privilege, but you thought, well, Blues are actually getting a good signing there. And it just never worked out for him there. Every time we, you know, we I saw him, certainly on Derby Day, he never showed up. But I think for him, he's he's probably got a chance of a fresh start. He can go back to working with a manager that knows him, likes him, will maybe fit into his style of play. Because that's something that the Blues fans have said. He just didn't fit into the way they were going to play. Because he was pretty much the poster boy for Dean Smith's way and style at Brentford. Very much so. I mean, he was the um, he was the supply line for Scotty Hogan's one good season. Oh, you've just uh. you've just introduced a segue there. It's time for a Scott Hogan touch count. Yes. Uh, the reason why we've segued in there, I completely forgot to mention uh, this Scott Hogan touch count, but we've said the two words Yotta and Hogan. The Scott Hogan touch count meter is sponsored by Yotta in this one. Who wants to go first? I've got a Yotta related touch count question. Who's going first? Chris can go, go first. Oh, go on then. Right then, Yotta played Aston Villa once this season. He didn't get any minutes at Villa Park, but he played. He started in the game at St Andrews or the Trillion Million Dollar Stadium, whatever it's called now. <laughs> played fifty-seven minutes before he got subbed off. How many touches did he have in those fifty-seven minutes? Now, just I'm just going to give you one clue. He's not Scott Hogan. He is not. This is true. I'm going to say. And he wears an Alice band as well. That's another clue. It's like Pablo Angel. So, 
Uh, I'm going to say 25. Ooh. Which leaves me to ask, can uh, Max Stokes get closer or has Chris already hit the nail on the head? This is the question. A number popped into my head. But is he going to go higher or is he going to go lower? Um, now, the tactical thing would be, go, would, <laughs> would be you know, to go to, for 24, but I'm not snidey like that. So I'm going to say... That would well, be the cost, Dan Rogers thing cost, to do. Yeah, I'm not about that. It cost Chris Bird victory uh, in the last show. Yeah, that's true, actually. I'm going to... 22. <sighs> Irrelevant. Oh. Because he got 37. Oh, my God. Chris Bird wow. is back. He's recorded back the win, game. finally. Promotion. The drought ends. I'm back he used in the to be the king land. of this. He used to be the oh, king, yeah. and then suddenly he's been on a bit of a drought. The clues there were obviously he's not Hogan, so he's going to have touches. And Alice Bandman, he, 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 he just likes the ball, doesn't he? He just likes to have yeah, his he hair gets involved. Fl- he does get involved. Uh, 37. I think if he stays on the pitch, he's probably getting uh, probably double that. Your Grealish is around 90 to 100, or anywhere between like 85 to 100. Plus, but he's more central. Yeah, I don't see uh, Hotter being a tracking back type of player. No, but like like I say about Smith, I think Smith's style is potentially, if he gets the players, the quality of player, his style is potentially, his approach to the game is actually more suited to the Premier League than it is in the lower divisions. And maybe uh, Hotter is the same in terms of... Yeah. Because he likes to play... And if Filler actually start out playing proper football, he's not somebody who, who could break down organised defences and may have that little flick or that pass and that bit of vision. So, you know, we might get a return out of him is what, what I'm saying, even though he might not be starting every game. I mean, ultimately, he's an upgrade on Gardner and he's an upgrade on a Doma. Yeah. So, so it's a savvy bit of business before you've even started for the money. In terms of uh, our lone amigos, uh, it was always expected that Courtney House and El Ghazi were the men most likely because they seemed to have the, the strongest spy clause or option, should I say, when they came on loan to Villa. Both of them uh, are, are on their way. It's just a matter of uh, sorting out the personal details. Probably when you listen to the show, it's deal done already. El Ghazi, six goals, six assists. I mean, he started off, I thought he was good in the first game I saw him play. I thought we've got a player there, but then he seemed to go missing here and there. I think the first game was Reading. He looked great on the ball, and when Villa were like just passing it across the, the midfield, he looked uh, very good. But then he just, in the games that followed, he, he seemed to go missing in terms of the physicality of the league and needing to get stuck in. And I don't think he was probably trying hard enough in training as well, because uh, I think if you, you remember, he, he suddenly fell out of favour for a while. But then uh, he's a big part, I think, of the 10-game winning run and obviously probably one of the players of the playoffs for us. Wouldn't you agree? I, agree. I, mean, I, thought, it, I thought it was man of the match in the final. I thought it was superb at Wembley. I thought he really, you could tell yeah. he was just thoroughly enjoying his afternoon yeah. you know, in, on the big occasion. Yeah, he's fast becoming one, one of my favourite players I think he wasn't the best under Bruce in the first few months of the season but in the last couple of months as you mentioned on that run we went on he was one of the better players he, he, he hasn't scored as many goals as I would have liked maybe but how many nah, did you like how many would mate, you double like double figures come on and why sort out mate <laughs> but I think now nah, overall I think it'll be an absolute bargain to get him for what is it what's the rumoured fees of eight million something like that but I think that'll be an absolute bargain he's still quite yeah. young as well so I like that and as you said with with uh with Smith I think his his style will probably suit the Premier League more Courtney House was interesting because I when when we first saw him, we obviously made that mistake. He's obviously a bit rusty, but he kind of looked like uh, I think we compared him to Wilfred Baumer. He had you know he's this kind of chunky player, but then when he played left back, he was pinging some passes around, and, and he technically looked very good. He's great on the ball, isn't he? So he's obviously a, a defender that can play, and he's very comfortable on the ball. And uh, it's a shame that uh, we'll lose uh, Axel Tuanzebe because he was the ultimate player in terms of being comfortable on the ball. What do you think of House? I mean, he only started 10 games, 12 games, including two subs appearances, but he was very much the man filling in when uh, Mings uh, either broke down and was suspended, but played a key role because every time he played, you, you felt like we were sound at the back. It wasn't like a, a backup centre-back going in. After he established himself, you know, in, in you know, even in the final when Mings went off, you felt comfortable that Hulls was uh, taking over. I'm a fan. I like him. I mean I, I mean, I was there at Wigan and saw his debut and you thought, well, well what have we got on earth have we got here? And then he, oh, that was he grew into his role. Yeah. yeah, he grew into his role really well. And, um, you know, the fact that him and Mings became you know, a really good partnership. And I think Hawes would probably consider himself really unlucky, really, that he, he lost his place. Was it an injury, I think, or suspension? And then Twan Zabi came yeah. back in. And Twan Zabi was just superb and he lost his place. But 
he actually did nothing wrong. I think with a clean slate in a pre-season, I think I would probably prefer him in the Premier League over Taylor at left back because I think he's more dynamic and he's right. much better going forward, better on the ball. Yeah, I, I, I would still like somebody at left back. I mean, obviously, their defensive duties will potentially uh, outweigh what they offer up front. But if Smith's going to play yes. his ultimate way and, and Villa are going to like not just s- survive in the uh, the Premier League, but they're going to actually trouble teams in the way that, let's say, Wolves did against the top six. I think we're going to need fullbacks that can actually cut in, beat the fullback and get a cross in and actually uh, be dangerous in the final third rather than what Elmo does. And as soon as he gets to the 18, uh, edge of the 18, he just you know floats a ball in. I think we need somebody who can actually uh, break break the back line. I think you just need energy. You need a... Uh... You're going to need energy throughout the team, aren't you, to yeah. play the Dean Smith way? You know, you need a dynamic team, a very fit team. Everyone has to be be like, you know, good on the ball, technically gifted, and it'll be a, it'll be a big step up for a few players in the Premier League, just with the, the the pace and the intensity of the games, especially when you know you're going away to the likes of Man City and Chelsea, Arsenal. You know, these teams where you're going to have a lot less of the ball next year. And that's where Fulham suffered because they weren't used to chasing the ball round. Don't forget, we beat Manchester City. At Villa Park with Vyman in the team and players like Bakuna as well. Three El two. Amadi. We did. I remember exactly, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember beating Chelsea. That was that was a fun one with the Delft back heel. Yeah. There's another bit of clickbait bollocks, by the way, with Delft coming back to Villa. What a load of nonsense that is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another file next to Gary Cahill, isn't it? If I was to give you the question, what are the business objectives of Aston Villa? How how would you respond to that? In oh the Premier God. League, short uh, term. Stay up. Everyone's on about, oh, let's do a Wolves and come mid-table. But for me, initially, in the short term, just, just stay up. And then we can push on, invest a little bit more, and then, you know, really make a statement. But this season, stay up. Because, I mean, that's the interesting thing is not even when the dust had settled, when we uh, won the playoff final, people are going, oh, well, let's, you know, make sure we don't do a Fulham and, you know, just completely bring in all new players. And, you know, we've got to keep that continuity going. And then you actually, uh, when the dust settled, you thought, hang on a minute, eight players are at the end of the contract, a couple of others we want to get rid of. And then there's players on loan, two of them, maybe three of them won't be coming back. And you're thinking, well, actually, there is only really McGinn, Grealish, that are guaranteed to start next season because Jed Steer, I don't know if he's guaranteed. Frederick Gilbert, he's not even guaranteed to be the right back starting out because, I mean, we don't know if he's any good or not. So we are basically rebuilding because we're going to have to find a forward from somewhere because we're not going to be starting with Codger in the Premier League, surely. Or, or two. Yeah, by definition, we have to rebuild anyway. So this is the uh, the interesting thing, because we had the momentum, we had the, some of the players, that two and Zebi Mings together, that suggest that we could have finished comfortably uh, mid-table at least, just because, you know, you look around the Premier League, that bottom half doesn't look so hot. But, you know, certainly that team spirit we built up, that kind of momentum there's no continuity so we are kind of starting from scratch I mean the good way of looking at it is it's a big reset button and we needed to reset because we've only been good in the final third of the season let's not forget that I just hope that we can get some games together pre-season because and get at least a few players in early so we can bed at least the skeleton of the team down so we hit the ground running uh yeah, you, you don't want to be getting to sort of um, you don't want to be getting to Christmas under pressure and sort of. Well, can you remember when Sherwood's Sherwood's first summer? It was just and dreadful. I just remember when we got relegated. I just remember starting that season thinking we need three more games at least. We need three more weeks pre-season. We are not ready. We don't even know what's going no. on. No. And we weren't even playing a, a first team, were we, in, in the pre-season friendly? I mean, and I saw I us playing in these games and we looked dreadful. Yeah. I remember we, we yeah. got, like, played off the park by Warsaw. And yeah. we brought oh, in you know, yeah, Rudy Gisted to lead every- the line. And it, it's like, what on earth is going on? Did score on the first day of the season against Bournemouth. We did. We won that game and we thought, oh, we're going to be great. Yeah. And then by about mid-October, <laughs> we thought, oh, no, we're going down, actually. We are going down. Yeah, I think it was the end. Was that our only win in the season? <laughs> Probably, yeah. We had three. Three wins. Exactly. Get in. <laughs> Who would have thought you win your first game of the season and uh, <laughs> you're only going to have that experience twice again? Absolutely bizarre. Uh, just a quick one. Max, yes. can you give me an example of a business using batch production and describe two benefits of this method of production? <sighs> oh, a question like this came up in the exam. It was job production, actually, that came up. I can't remember what I wrote, but batch production, it's like cakes and stuff, isn't it? Put them yeah. in the oven. Easy. Yeah. Baker makes loaves Greg's, of bread. 
Yeah. Greg's. Yeah. Right about Greg's case study. Um, Did you? Did you use case study on Greg's? No, it was only a four mark question, this one, so I didn't need to uh, use right. anything. Who, who's the biggest on uh, on the Villa on tour? Posse. Who's the biggest Greg's aficionado? Probably Ginger Jamie. He's always out and about doing stuff while I'm at school studying, so he's probably the man to ask. Out and about doing he's stuff. He's always walking about. Weird. It's always, what do you mean walking about? Literally, doing like, stuff. anytime I phone him or whatever, he's always walking about. It's really weird, like, where he lives, just walking about. It's, it's, I've no idea where he's going all the time. What, like, back, back and forwards to Greg's? Probably. Well, or to the gym. He's a big gym fan. Weirdo. Well, Andy Ruiz Jr. proved against Anthony Joshua that the gym is just, just for chumps. It's a complete exactly. waste of time. Complete waste of time. And I'm built like a twig, so I'm the real winner. Max, the real deal, Stokes. Yeah. Right. A, a question that was asked three times, I think, when I was at Wembley, when I bumped into listeners of the show. For some reason, this was a, the burning question. And it looks like Tammy Abraham isn't going to be playing for Villa next season. But hypothetically, if he cost us $25 million, would you buy Tammy Abraham, Chris? Um... Probably, yeah, because I don't see who the obvious replacement for him is at the moment. So, yes. Begrudging. I'd say begrudgingly, yes. Why Why do you begrudgingly say yes? Because I don't think he's yet to prove that he's a £25 million Premiership striker, to be honest. I think he had a brilliant season for us in the Championship. But he's got youth on his side. Got a decent all-round yeah. game, I thought. As as a yeah. if, if Smith wants to play that four three three, I think I, I I don't see who the obvious replacement for him is at the moment. So I think if you can get him, yeah. you've got to go and do it. Max, what about you? Mm, it is a tough one. I'm sort of fifty fifty on it, but I probably would be leaning towards saying yes because, like you said, this squad's getting dismantled at the moment. We're going for a rebuild, so the aspect of him coming back, he knows the players, is going to help. But yeah. I, I probably would say, yeah, he's still so, so young at 21. So he's got at least 10 years left in him. So 25 million. Mm, there is an argument there to say we could spend it better in this window in particular. But in the long term, I probably would say, yeah. Well, I think another way of looking at it is, do you think, I mean, he's obviously young, but does he have the potential to actually still be worth 25 million at the end at least or obviously have that potential for actually making a profit turning a profit because obviously in the last few seasons we've just been killing it's been dead money most of our purchases and we have rarely had any uh, decent sell-on fees or players that when you want to upgrade you can sell them for a similar price that you bought them for I mean you would have thought if, if Abraham if we could get Abraham and he had one good season in the Premier League then his, his value is going to go up I mean you look at what you know James Madison's done at Leicester and his value's sort of more than Double, doesn't it? Supposedly, yeah. Because Abraham's obviously uh, done well at England youth level, and he's obviously for us. If we bought him for twenty five million, and we if we had any chance of making a profit on that, he would have to break into the England squad as in you know, in the first team. Obviously, you would guess. I don't know if he's a strong enough finisher to be uh, a regular at international. Well, he's obviously still young, but. As we, you know, early early doors this season, he seemed to need uh, two or three chances to take, you know, one chance that, let's say, uh, Aguero or somebody would put away. And he definitely tailed off, didn't he, towards the end of the season. He, he, he sort of, he didn't keep up his, his rate of scoring. At one point, he looked like he'd walk to 30 goals and then it, the second half of the yeah. season, he did slow down. But I'd, I'd love to see him stay. This is a, a hypothetical question. 25 million for Christian Benteke to return. No chance. Nope, absolutely no chance. not. What happened? <laughs> Fifteen million. I'm, I'm, I'm because of your reaction. I'm knocking ten million off that. <laughs> still no. Million. No, still no. <laughs> good God! No. Everybody's got goldfish memories. I, everyone has this really good memory of Benteke, and I don't want him to come back, snap his leg in half in the first game, and then we'll never hear from him again. Do a Luke Nillis. What are you saying? Are you, are you basically saying I don't want my memories tarnished of what he was because? Out there in the wilds of Palace and Liverpool, he's he's just turned into a bit of a laughing stock to some respects because for us he was a beast. I mean that was pretty much his nickname. Well, he, I mean he pretty much single-handedly kept us in the league for three seasons, didn't he? He was incredible. Yeah, I mean he pretty he could just single-handedly destroy teams like he did Liverpool yeah. and uh, almost did with uh, United a few times. I mean times. You, you compare him in his pomp for Villa compared to Abraham, and you take Benteke because yeah. Benteke was a one-chance, one-goal kind of striker, like because he was scoring goals in an absolute absolutely atrocious team yeah he would create goals from nowhere as well yeah i mean that's why i mentioned him i think if you could get him relatively cheaply and you were confident that you know if if 
that he would actually come back and really sort of buy into what we're trying to do. You never know. I think he's only about 28, so you could maybe get another two, three seasons out of him. Yeah. And he, I think he technically had the ability to play how Smith would want to play because he did have good vision and he could pass. And this is yeah. something I would try to drill into Liverpool fans when they bought him, but they just thought he was a lump, lump it up forward. I think him with the likes of, you know, McGinn, Grealish, Hurahan, you get a couple of good wide men. And actually, you'd, you'd have to... Like Villa did, really, but Liverpool didn't. You have to make him the focal point of your team, and I don't think Liverpool were going to do that. And Palace haven't done it very well either. So I think if you're going to bring him yeah, in, you have to, he'd have to lead the line. I'd, I'd kind of want to know what his mental state is and if he's still you know, fired up for the game and what he yeah. actually wants to achieve because he came at the wrong time for Villa. Well, in the right time in terms of keeping us up, uh, although he was just delaying the inevitable. But if he was around, for example, in the Martin O'Neill days when we needed oh, that top, top, we're a top four striker side, we'd have we'd have marched into europe no problem that was a hypothetical but yeah in terms of those lone players i think if you wanted that continuity if you want to get the fans give them a jolt of excitement i think it would be mings coming in on a permanent and i think we're set then for the uh, whatever the summer's throwing our way I think if you could get all the guys who we had on loan, not that we're going to, but I think if, if all of them came back, the fans would go into the season really, really positive. I think everyone feels positive, but with a certain amount of apprehension about, oh, we don't really know yet. It's going to be, it's an unknown team. Yeah, but what I'm saying to you, uh, from what we know at this point, El Ghazi, House. They're done. Tu and Zebi, Abraham not coming. And I think Mings is the one, if he doesn't come, then suddenly it's like there's no continuity yeah, you know, we're basically building it from start. And because Mings is, you know, he's, he's already a cult hero and a, and a bit of a talisman and Premier League ready, that would be a big kick in the pants that, you know, it would set us off for sure. Because we haven't got a defence at the moment, lads. We haven't got much at the moment. No. We certainly haven't got squad depth. I mean, you look at, you know, we probably need to go and buy four or five really good players. We also probably need to go out and buy another six or seven squad players and bring through some of the youth players, of which we've released a load of the youth players as well. I mean, the total number out the door over the last few months, you've been over 20, I would have thought. Yeah, no. Of which you've still got, you know, Aaron Tish, Aaron Tish Bowler on the payroll and there are others that can go. We can't actually have a conversation about how Villa are going to play and what the lineup's going to be uh, in the Premier League because <laughs> we'd be struggling to put out a five-a-side team at the moment. Of, of a decent level. It's, it's, it's just, it's, there's still such a long way to go, isn't it, in the summer? We're relatively still just coming off. I mean, I think with, with the England game, you know, the other night, that was kind of like the end of the football season. We haven't even gone into the new football season yet. We've kind of got a month of yeah. relative nothing. And then once you get into pre-season, then you'll kind of work out what you think you need. But I agree with what you said earlier, that I think Smith, Perslow, you know, they, um, I think they want to move quickly or as quickly as they can before pre-season, work out what else they're going to need and assess the team. Because I think if, if, if in the event that Abraham and someone like Twan Zabi were to become available, I don't think it would be till the end of the window. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what happened with Abraham uh, and when we got him on lane. That went really late, didn't it? Yeah, and Twan Zabi, I think, would be like that. I think he would probably get the pre-season with Solskjaer They'd have a look at him, see where he stands, see how he measures up, see what they can bring in. Because I, I thoroughly expect United to spend a lot of money again this summer. They will go out and buy a superstar yeah. centre-back, I'm sure. So then it's going to be, well, is Twan Zabi going to be willing to sit on the bench at United or are they going to go, do you know what, we'll give you another year on loan? After watching the Dutch goals against England, I would put Axel Zebi in the England team based on uh, what Stones and his mates were Dreadful. doing. They were awful. Because he's he's been in similar positions like that, but he's very, very cool under pressure. I mean, as as he said in you know one of these Villa interviews, his main strength is his confidence. And he doesn't break a sweat. He, he could smoke a cigar while he's playing. Uh, that's, I mean, that's how it looks. There was a lazy link to, uh, well, potentially a lazy link to uh, Neil Etheridge, the goalkeeper from uh, Cardiff. Do we need another goalkeeper? Hmm. That that is a tough one, actually. Um, I think I don't know what Jed Steer has to do to be honest to get his chance in the Premier League. I, I'd I'd stay with Steer if I'm honest. Right. Yeah, I think he's earned the right to start the season. Whether or not you're going to need backup or whatever, that's to be decided. But I don't think, in the spirit of what Smith achieved at this in the second half of the season and what Steer achieved as well, I think he's deserving. He's you know he's deserved his right. To, to be our number one. Yeah, because I think if he had flaked it, it would have been in the playoffs. But he, I mean, he, he helped he us uh, win in the end. Yeah, yeah. What would you give him out of 10 as a keeper? But the, what, as a Premier League keeper, Solid as a championship seven. keeper? Yeah, I think he's a seven. Now, this is the problem. I think we need an eight in the, in the Premier League at least. 
That's why I asked the question, because I was thinking exactly what you said. I thought, yeah, seven. Do we need more? Potentially. I think if we could be in the market for someone at a reasonable price, like a Jack Butland, then it becomes interesting to me because you've actually got someone who is an international quality goalkeeper. Well, hang on a minute. We've got the Norwegian number one (laughs) international keeper and the Croatian number one in Kalinic. So uh, how many international goalkeepers I can't see... Nyland playing a game for us in the in the Premier League, if I'm honest. I think his time is numbered. I love how they try to build him up on the Villa's uh, social media whenever they can to keep the spirits up. We know the Grim Reaper's coming for him. I think they'll, you know, one of those guys is is probably going to, you know, see their head on the. Uh on the chop, aren't they? If Steers to have a future, yep. and you would give him that chance, unless we pull a pull an eight or a nine out of the bag, one of those two has got to go, because I rate Steer above at least one of them, if not both. I mean, I don't see Villa doing what Wolves did and going out and buying the Portugal number one, for example. I mean, that was a crazy deal, how that came about, and I don't see yeah. something like that happening, but... Um... I mean, you look you look down the squad and... I think we need something big. I mean, obviously, we're going to pull yeah. some rabbits out of the hats. Like, you know, you John McGinn's, hopefully we'll get a couple more of them. You need those savvy buys, but you also want to see some statements, don't you? You want that stel- that sort of yeah. marquee signing where you go, oh, wow, okay, these guys, the, the owners have got some ambition. We mean business here. Whereas at the moment, you're kind of looking at all the people we're linked with and think, mm, I don't know. Max, do you have any... What would be your dream signing at this stage? A big well-known Premier League striker number nine doesn't mess about that isn't Christian Benteke I think if you're going to stay up in the Premier League I think the main thing you have to do first is score goals you saw Huddersfield last season that was the thing they struggled with and they got absolutely obliterated so I think a big marquee number nine is what I'd be interested in the most maybe even another striker as well because we haven't really got anything I don't trust Kodja at all so a dream signing is a Premier League proven number nine no, any any names? Um, I don't really know. Who who is there like around the bottom half of the Premier League? I, I don't really know. I don't. I'm trying to think of anybody in the Championship that we've faced, or any of the obviously what vultures normally do is pick off the relegation teams. Any decent players, but I, I always find that's a bit of a recipe for disaster. Mitrovic, I mean, you got, like, you got yeah, you got Mitrovic one. potentially, Malpai from Brentford, but. But he's, I mean, he's already a journeyman, old Mitrovic. Rondo. Yeah, uh, he's off to Wolves. Is he? I believe so. I mean, my sort of dream ones would be the equivalent of when Leicester found Kante. You know, this unknown guy who just goes on to become an absolute superstar. You know, Like a Benteke. Yeah, yeah, there's no John McGinn though, is he, Kante? And also, I think someone who's in the league, potentially you could get, you know, we need another winger, someone like a Delefeu or a Sigurds, you know, someone who's another ball-playing midfielder to bounce off. Yeah. We need somebody who's mentally up for it, who's yeah. going to stay with us, who's going to be part of the, the club moving forward. Like Mitrovic is, is essentially, uh, he's there for a payday. He's a bit of a, not a mercenary in a bad way. I don't, you know, I don't know the guy, but he's obviously a gun for hire, so to speak. He's not settling in, uh, you know, you saw some players this season, like your John McGinn's, who you, you know that this is going to be a player who's going to stick around because he, you know, he's living it, he's buying into it. But I'd rather not have like somebody like Mitrovic who's played a season here, a season there, who you know can be good on the day. We will see anyway. We are now kind of waffling hypothetically. What's your next exams, Mr. Stokes? I have three statistics exams Oof. all in a couple of weeks, so that'll be good. You'll get a job at Aston Villa because they love statistics and analytics nowadays. It's pretty much yeah. what the whole uh, the whole company's been run on. Just don't test me on that because it's an absolute shambles. What about external economies of scale? No, I'm done with that. I don't need to know that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get out of here. We'll wait until uh, Aston Villa have actually got some players to talk about and we can talk about how... Dean Smith's jigsaw will fit together and what are aspirations we can dare to dream of uh, in terms of where we'll finish. And this time next week, we'll know the fixtures as well. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, there's a bit of substance to uh, dive into. Before we go, please do uh, spread the word on the podcast. Uh, tell a one like-minded person each and we'll, we'll double our listeners in time for the Premier League. Uh, also, make sure you go on YouTube and follow Villa on Tour because new adventures await in the Premier League too. Which grounds are you looking forward to the most? Give me top three. Tottenham, New Stadium, Anfield. Haven't been there yet. And um, 
Probably Arsenal. Haven't been there either, so that'll be good. Uh, yeah, em- Emirates is all right, actually. It's a bit, bit on the quiet side, but... Yeah. I like I like all the stuff around Emirates, like all the statues, the bronze statues of Dennis Burkamp and stuff like that. Ah, uh, yeah. Hint, hint, Villa Park, hint, hint. <laughs> Sorry, on YouTube, you just basically just search for Villa on tour and give it a sub. Easy as that. Take in the beautiful content. <laughs> it's more than content, though. It's it's a way of life. It's wall-to-wall limbs. <laughs> limbs and life and tears and vomit as well. Uh, exactly. On, <laughs> on recent videos. You get this. everything. Uh, also, do follow this podcast on Spotify if you use it, and Apple as well as uh, all the other podcast apps out there. Uh, also, please do review on Apple Give it some. I know you guys are too cool to be sitting around doing reviews, but uh, it kind of helps get the newbies on board for what will be uh, an interesting time in the Premier League, no doubt. And also, if you want to get more intimate with the show, please do follow the Mad Few Facebook group, which Max Stokes joined the other day. If, I did, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, we'll make sure you get trolled in there. It's where all these people are asking about your geography exam we're in. So, uh, I'll respond to a couple. <laughs> there are some quite funny characters in there. It's quite amusing at times. Yeah. Mm, I'll have a look. And most of all, to help us march on into the Premier League, please do become a My Old Man Said patron. Go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link. And also, on the shop option, you can also buy a T-shirt to support the show too. All righty. Until next time, when maybe Max Stokes will be a free man and will never have to do another A-level in his life. Oh, I hope so. And when Chris Bird will be knee-deep in the Women's World Cup. Nice. And I have no idea what I'll be doing. So until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.